Let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 8 and take up verses 26 and 27. May God be merciful to us to take from these verses what would be good for us and good for His glory. This sermon's for praying Christians. If you're not a regenerated, baptized believer, it's not for you. The full blessing of the gospel, the full blessing of the Holy Spirit is for baptized believers. Sorry. That's just the way it is. If the Lord Jesus Christ isn't important enough to you, the high King of heaven, to be baptized in a picture of His death, burial, and resurrection for you, then the Holy Spirit doesn't have any ministry for you. The Holy Spirit serves to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a regenerated and baptized believer, it's only for you if you pray. If you are born again and you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you know He's the High King of Heaven and you love Him in some mental capacity and you've been baptized in His name but you don't pray like you should and like you know you ought, then I don't have much for you either. The point of all that is, I hope that from this sermon, that doesn't need to be long, is that we focus on whether we are praying Christians or not, rather than the technical details of the two verses. In verses 19 through 25, I wanted to give you the technical details because it was the technical details that were most important. We wanted to identify the creature in the 19th verse. The technical details of 26 and 27 are not as important as you examining yourself whether you're a praying Christian. Right. I mean a praying Christ follower. And if we're praying Christ followers, we pray a lot. And if we don't, we're not really Christians in the full sense of the word. Our Lord Jesus Christ was a man of prayer. Prayer is the most powerful thing you can do for every aspect of your Christian life. There is nothing to be compared to it here on earth. Your sad state at times is due to a lack of prayer. Less or a lack of power in your life is due to missing prayer. And so rather than focus on the technical aspects of these two verses, I'm going to present them in such a way that you're going to know they're not for you unless you're praying. So let's look at them. Let me read to you Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints 
according to the will of God. Amen. We don't know how to pray like we should, and we don't know what to pray for like we should. We have a problem with the manner of prayer, and we have a problem with the content of prayer. God the Holy Spirit will help us in two ways. He will help us by moving us, teaching us, leading us, convicting us to pray in a more fervent manner, at a deeper heartfelt level that can't be fully verbalized in the manner. And He will help us to pray, Thy will be done. He will do that with us, and He will do that for us. But He will not do either of those if you're not a praying Christian. Let's just make it simple. We don't pray enough. Just tell the Lord that. I don't pray enough. And ask Him to convict you right now to pray more. And let's commit ourselves to pray more. Likewise, that means there's two things under comparison. Also, the fourth word means there's two things under comparison. Does the Spirit have two ministries to us? And so He does one thing, and He also helps our infirmities? Or... Are there two things under consideration, one of which is the Spirit helping our infirmities? It is the latter. I'm not going to take the time to wrestle with you about the technical aspects except to state it. And you can research it and look at it and see it, and I hope it's obvious. The two things under comparison are the, is the Holy Spirit helping our infirmities and some other thing. And that other thing is the hope of verses 24 and 25. Because it said in verse 24, we are saved by hope. Hope is an essential, important part of the gospel. Hope is also an essential, important part of our everyday lives. And every parent should remember everything I've taught on that. But that's not what I'm teaching this morning. I'm teaching that in the gospel are promises of what's coming in the future. And those promises of what's coming in the future give us hope so that our religion in the Lord Jesus Christ is not for this life only, because Paul said that would make us, of all men, the most miserable. It has this great prospect and this great certainty, the prospect is certain, which is our hope of eternal glory, being delivered from every negative thing that you know about and that you don't know about in you and in the whole creation. What I've taught you from verses 19 through 25 Hope saves us. Hope helps us. You know, men could go to the stake. Men could go in the Colosseum and be eaten by lions. Men could go in the Colosseum and be slashed by gladiators. They could be pulled apart on the racks. They could have hot pokers in their eyeballs. They could have their children molested in front of them. They could have all sorts of things happen to them, but because of the hope of glory, it saved them. It was no big deal. You say, well, don't use that kind of language. Well, I'm going to use that kind of language because Hebrews chapter 10 uses that kind of language. It says, For ye had compassion of me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. How in the world does a man take joyfully the spoiling of his goods? 
Someone comes into your house, drags you out of it, and takes possession of your house with your garage and your cars and your furniture and your stuff and you're thrown out in the street or put in prison or taken out in the fields and stripped naked to die under the elements as our brethren did. For ye had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Amen! That's the hope and how it saves us. So don't tell me not to use language like that. They scoffed at it. They mocked it. They laughed at it. They went cheerfully to their deaths. Because they knew in heaven they had a better and an enduring substance. Who's going to take it away from you in heaven? Tax man? Father time? Bad neighbors? Encroaching on your property lines? No one. It's an enduring substance. Is it a decent substance? It's a better substance. If you read the rest of the Bible, how much better? More than you can tell me and more than I can tell you. Hope saves us. So that's the first thing that helps us with our infirmities. Our infirmities are because we are clothed in a sinful body, we live in a sinful world, and sinful things happen to us every day. Suffering was mentioned in verse 17. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Suffering was repeated in verse 18. I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. So suffering's been mentioned. A bondage of corruption has been mentioned in verse 21. We groaning within ourselves has been mentioned in verse 23. A salvation necessary by hope is in verse 24. All things working together for good is in verse 28. If you go all the way to verse 35, it describes tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, and sword. If you go to verse 38 and 39, angels, death, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, there are listed things that are negative in our lives. So, there are two things that save us from these infirmities. That, as David described, and as Asaph described in Psalm 77, if you go there, they overwhelm us sometimes. Ever feel overwhelmed? The words that come flying out of my mouth, and I heard them from someone that carries a similar DNA package to me this week, and that was real punishment for my soul. I can't do it all! Sorry to let you know what goes on at 507 Summer Green Way. There's two things that tell me I can do it all. Right. Well, there's a whole lot of other verses, but I'll give you two. We're saved by hope. He remembers our frame. He knows that we're dust. Amen. We, do the, we can never do the best that we can, can we? We can only do our reasonable best, and he does the rest. Amen. He remembers our frame that we are dust. He says, except the Lord build the house, your best isn't going to get it built. And except the Lord keep the city, your best isn't going to keep it safe. So don't rise up early. Don't stay up late. Don't eat the bread of sorrow by saying, I can't do it all. Go to bed. 
hope saves us. Because hope tells us in just a few years I'm going to spring out of this body and I'll be in the presence of the Lord. And after all, what I do for Him isn't anything compared to what He does for me and for everyone else. We're saved by hope. Don't let me get... I could stay there a long time because I need a lot of help. Thank you. You need a lot of help too? Good. I just I was hoping the amen was for you and not for me. I want us to rejoice this morning. This isn't a time to be grief-stricken except for this one fact. We don't pray enough. A man on his knees or a man in his bed or a man in his closet or a man in his work in the Bible who can't get a word out but his heart is filled with anguish about his family, about his own soul, about the church, about the state of our nation. Oh, the Lord will take up for that man. And you can accomplish great things. You women, you be a prayer warrior. You be a, you be a praying mother. You be a, be a praying wife. You be a praying grandmother. You can turn the world upside down with your prayers. What do you think's gonna work? You joining some temperance movement marching in the streets with a banner? Pray! Pray for your children! Get down on your knees and beg God for them! Ask Him to teach you to pray! Open yourself to the Holy Spirit and say, God, help me to pray! Save my family! Beg them! Don't make it part of your prayer at the dinner table! That's not praying. That's blessing the food. It's not praying. Nowhere is it ever called a prayer in the Bible. What I want you to take out of these two verses is I want to be a praying Christian. Right. And if you're a praying Christian, you have a prayer partner. And it's not your pastor. And it's not your mother. It's not your father. It's not your brother or sister or son or daughter. It is God himself. Amen. It is God the Holy Spirit. Laugh with me. It's, it's fantastic. It's wonderful. Adoption is a great doctrine of salvation. But it's beyond, this is beyond adoption. You know, Paul just keeps building, building, building till he gets to the last verse of chapter 8 where he's going to end this particular part of the book of Romans. He's just building. You've got problems. You've got infirmities. I give you hope. What kind of hope? Hope that I reckon can't be compared to your distress. That was back there in verses 17 and 18. Second thing. I am in you. I am with you. And though because of ignorance, selfishness, carnality, you cannot pray like you should, I will make up the difference myself. Praise God. But he will not do that for the person that doesn't pray. The two things are hope and the Holy Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. One thing that helps our infirmities is the hope of what's coming. And that hope is not a maybe chance thing. It is a certain thing, and we're simply waiting for it. And that's what we learn from verses 24 and 25. The next thing that helps us is the Spirit helpeth. He doesn't take them all away. I don't want this to be 
complicated. I have, I have a complicated outline. He doesn't take them all away. He doesn't remove them all. He doesn't bear them all. He helps you with them. And one of your, one of your infirmities in life, as you face suffering, difficulties, overwhelmed spirits, is to know what to pray for as you ought. And so he helps us this way. We pray for things sometimes to consume it on our lust because we can't separate our lust sometimes from God's will for our life. The Bible tells us that. We pray to consume things for us. Sometimes we don't know what to pray for because we don't truly know what would be best for our situation. Because our, our, do you know that your perspective of your life is so small and narrow, you can't see the big picture. I'm a small picture guy. <laughs> well, I heard that a long time ago at the bank. Uh, I'm a small picture guy. I love details. The big picture overwhelms me. Sometimes we don't know what to pray for as we should. Because we don't really know what would be the best in this situation. God might be using this for His greater glory and my greater good. Should I pray against it? We're not as spiritually minded with eternity's values in view all the time when we pray. We don't know what God's will might be concerning us. And we don't know what God might be willing to grant us. Sometimes God has more in store for you than you've got in store for you. And I'm not asking you to put something in the KFC bucket. You know, why do I have to get nervous every time I make a statement like that? You know, it's true. They just abuse it. Right. We have imperfect... Knowledge of God's character. We have imperfect knowledge of God's purposes in our trials. The principles of how He governs the world. We're often in deep perplexity by overwhelming confusion. There's so many things happening, and they're so painful, and they're so big, they're like David, some enemy, he said, had smitten my life down to the ground. Well, now David was the king of Israel. David had an empire, a nation, that ranged from the Euphrates River in Iraq to the Nile River in Egypt. He was a great king, and he was gathering all the materials for God's house. But he said, my life has been smitten down to the ground. I'm overwhelmed. My spirit is failing. My heart is desolate. I'm all alone. No, you're not. No, you're not. Neither am I. The Holy Spirit is with us. And and what is the Holy Spirit? Do not ask that question, because I don't like the word what used in regard to the Holy Spirit. Right. Ask, who is the Holy Spirit? And I'll say, He is the Lord Jehovah, chosen to reveal Himself to us as three in one. And one of those three is in us. And one of those three is in heaven. And one of those three is united by an inscrutable mystery of incarnation to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God. But one's in us. Right. You say, which one is it? It's the Holy Spirit. Tell me more about Him. I've preached it to you before. He moved upon the face of the waters and He brought about the creation of the world. When He took a hold of Samson, Samson didn't need to work out, drink Red Bull, or eat Myoplex. 
He did whatever was ne- what was ever in front of him. Right. When the Spirit of God would come upon Saul, this is Saul of Benjamin. I mean, Saul of the son of Kish, not Saul of Tarsus. Right. He would prophesy. When he came upon David, he could kill a giant, kill a bear, kill a lion, or write 150 psalms, less those that Asaph wrote and Moses wrote, or design the temple with God's help, or figure out some new musical instruments to praise God a little bit better than the past. The Spirit of God can do all that. Amen. The Spirit of God can communicate to the Apostle Paul. God is not going to take away your thorn in the flesh because the weaker you are, the greater my strength appears to anyone who knows what you're going through and what you, what you know about what you're going through. So Paul said, by the Spirit of God, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. And so the Lord helps us. We are so weak in our concept of the of our view of life, the view of our life, the view of our family. The Lord sees this giant picture that is much larger. We don't know how to pray as we ought. So we go to Him and we trust Him to help us pray and to pray better and to always be converging on His will and praying at a level of fervency that He desires of us. And as we're going there, He helps us get there. And as we're going there, He multiplies our efforts and prays and assists us in those things that we have not yet reached. So that our praying approaches perfection in the sight of God. Right. Your perfect is different than God's perfect because God's perfect is sanctified by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are sickos in our, in our understanding of perfection. We'll never be perfect, but we shouldn't talk about that aspect. The Bible does not emphasize that side of it. The Bible emphasizes our perfection. Because God knows our frame, He remembers that we are dust, and He sanctifies whatever doesn't measure up. And when our prayers don't match the will of God, when our prayers don't match the fervency, God the Holy Spirit helps us. But we're praying. If you're not praying, God the Holy Spirit isn't helping you. Right. On occasion... He'll convict you that you know you're not praying and you ought to start praying more. And that's how far He'll go with you. And that is a huge blessing. And when you get that blessing, you better run with that energy. With that rekindled flame. Run with it. Amen. Don't wait till you get home. Run with it right now. Confess your sin of not being a prayer, a praying Christian or a prayer warrior or a man or a woman of prayer. Lord, forgive us. Have mercy upon us. And forgive us for not praying like we should. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray more often. Teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray in the Spirit and let the Spirit bless our praying and let the Spirit pray for us. Lord, help us. Brethren, the Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit. There's two spirits involved. How do we know that we're the sons of God? By an independent work of the Holy Spirit? No. It is the Holy Spirit of God with your spirit, testifying to your spirit, is what 15 and 16 tell us. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. If you don't pray, you are not going to get, I don't care if the Holy Spirit's praying for you. You're not going to get it. 
Because the Bible says you have not because you ask not. When the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit in prayer, here is how it's worded. It's Ephesians 6.18 and it's Jude chapter 1 verses 20 and 21. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Ephesians 6.18. Oh, yeah, you're praying. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. I, here, here, here's the stress on me right now. I do not want you to blow over these two verses with me and just say the Spirit prays for us. No. You're a fatalist. Right. You're corrupting the text. There's more to it than that. Amen. He assists our praying. He enhances our praying. He teaches us how to pray. He doesn't do it all for us. Though it is worded that way, but I'm going to show you other texts where you're going to know, oh, yeah, I know exactly what it means now. But I'm going to show you that in just a second. What I want you to be assessing, and we don't need to spend very long here, do I pray like I should? Do I pray often enough? Numerous times a day. Seriously getting alone and praying. Begging God. Opening yourself to the Lord and His will. Pouring out your heart before Him. Do you pray like you should? That is what we've got to address, or these two verses don't apply to us. Jude, keep yourselves in the love of God. Well, why doesn't the Holy Spirit do it for us? Why does it say keep yourselves in the love of God? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Who's praying? In Jude 1, verses 20 and 21. The Holy Ghost or you? You are. But praying in the Holy Ghost means there's two praying. Are you with me? You're praying in the Holy Ghost. How do you pray in the Holy Ghost? You live the Holy Spirit's given, stated, defined lifestyle that the Bible describes in Galatians chapter 5 and other places. You mortify the deeds of the flesh by putting them to death. You lift your affection from things on earth to things in heaven. You choose to love the Lord Jesus Christ and to meditate upon Him. You are in the Spirit. And when you pray in that set setting, God the Holy Spirit is going to help you learn to pray better. And the Holy Spirit is going to enhance your praying so that when God searches your heart, He hears the prayers of two united in one, and that is God the Holy Spirit enhancing your efforts. He will move you consciously to pray His will, and He will unconsciously to you give you the will of God. Because that's what God will see when He looks into your heart. Look at Second Samuel 23. I hope this will help. 2 Samuel 23. You know the best thing you can do from this sermon? Go home and pray twice as much as you prayed yesterday. Right. If you prayed less than an hour yesterday, then go home and pray ten times what you prayed yesterday. You say you sound like you're addressing a monastery. There's 168 hours in a week and there were 24 hours in yesterday. Aren't we disgraceful? Go ahead and measure yourself any way you want to. Just don't tell me about seconds at the dinner table. It's not a prayer. Second Samuel 23, 1. Now these be the last words of David. David the son of Jesse said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. That's quite a resume there. Quite a litany of titles and names for the warrior that killed Goliath. Now watch. Verse 2 is what I want. 
The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and His word was in my tongue. Now the first six words are the Spirit of the Lord spake. Who spoke? David spoke. But where did the words come from? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and His word was in my tongue. And then he goes on to describe it. The God of Israel said, Okay, I want you to turn to Psalm 45. I'm sorry that I can't elaborate further. I've been there before and preached that passage to you, and it's simple enough. What I'm trying to tell you is that the more when you're praying, and you choose to, to are living a life pleasing to the Holy Spirit, and you're praying in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is helping you pray while you're praying. And then he adds whatever is necessary to make it up. What I'm trying to say is this. He prays for you and He prays with you. He prays with you and He prays for you. Don't neglect either one of those. Because if you neglect the one that's with, then you're going to think that God, the Holy Spirit, is going to take care of all the praying needs you have in your life when that is not the truth. The truth is you need to be a praying Christian. Praying always. Anybody in here know Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18? Who wants to jump up and give me Ephesians 6, 18? I think that's a chapter for quizzing this year. Oh, we've all got cold feet. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Notice that we're praying. How often are we praying? Praying always. How much prayer? With all prayer. With what else? Supplication. Begging the Lord. What if you prayed this next week the same number of minutes that you watched television last week? And ideally, you prayed this week and didn't watch any television. What would happen to your life in one week? Television, eh, it's a matter of liberty. Everybody has the liberty to be a fool. Everybody has the liberty to be carnally minded. Okay, what if you prayed this week as many minutes as you spent in the yard or or on projects around your house that didn't really need to be done, but you enjoy them? There's nothing wrong with a little bit of enjoyment, but I'm I'm asking you, how many minutes did you spend in prayer? Praying always, with all prayer. Do you know how much you can accomplish? Furman don't listen to you. Don't listen to me either. The government in Columbia, South Carolina, doesn't listen to you, Hillary. I'm going to go ahead and tell you who I'm looking at. <coughs> Don't listen to me either. Federal government's not going to listen to you. Don't listen to me either. You know what? There's a God in heaven who's the God of the federal government, the God of the state government, and the God of Furman University. And your God. And His Spirit is good. You can do more in prayer. You're working hard for your future. You want a future? Do you know who holds your future in his hand? Right. Do you know who can open doors and close doors like no one else or all other else's put together, squared, and cubed? It's the Lord God our Father. Prayer can be exciting. The more you pray, the more exciting it becomes. Did you feel like praying more this morning after singing Revive Us again for the second time? So did I. I wanted to quit. The whole We should have just had a prayer meeting. 
I use her as an example. Hillary, thank you for offering. Some of you are taking great pains to preserve your children. You have a Father in Heaven that will preserve your children if you're a man and a woman of prayer. If He doesn't preserve them and you're praying for it, then He has a will that's better than what you see at this time. And we should trust Him in that. Psalm 45 and verse 1, David said, My heart is indicting a good matter. Where was the dictation coming from in David's heart? Indicting means dictation. You know, people can talk all they want to about the verbal plenary inspiration of the Bible. I don't know what they're talking about. All I know is Psalm 45 and verse 1. My heart is indicting. I believe in the dictation theory of Bible inspiration because the Bible says it. My heart is indicting a good matter. Where's those words coming from that are being dictated to David? They're in his heart. He hears them. I speak of the things which I have made. I have stuff coming out of my mouth that my heart is telling me, where is it coming from? It's coming from 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and His Word was in my tongue because He dictates to our heart. When we are praying in the Holy Ghost and living a life that is pleasing to the Holy Ghost, and we are down on our knees, and we are asking God to hear our prayer, and we're saying that His Spirit is good, and we're asking for an abundant measure of His Spirit, Luke chapter 11 and verse 13, God the Father will give us that Spirit. He will enhance our praying, teach us to pray while we're in the very prayer. He will lay things on our heart and convict us with fervency and content. He will improve your manner and your content while you're praying. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. I don't want to get waylaid. I don't want you to think about anything else except praying in the Holy Ghost. Um, I want us to go home and I want us to pray more. We love to try to solve things ourselves and do things ourselves and protect things ourselves. Except the Lord build the city. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build the house. Except the Lord keep the city. The watchman waketh but in vain. Matthew chapter 10. Jesus Christ is sending out His apostles. Now I want you to watch the ministry of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Matthew chapter 10, verse 19. But when they... Matthew 10, 19. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Who's speaking? Be careful with your answer. Who's speaking? Yes. Both. They're both speaking. The disciples are actually forming the sounds, but it's the Holy Spirit that's providing those words in their heart. Was there a man that did this? He was a deacon. Did he do a good job with this? Or should we say, did the Holy Spirit do a good job through him in Acts chapter 6? Did he confound the leadership of the Jewish nation? Did he have a face glowing, full of the Holy Spirit? Does the Bible tell us he was full of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Now when we come to Romans 8, 26 and 27, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we ought to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself, the Holy Spirit, no other, it's not your Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. 
It's not a presence, a force, a pressure, an influence. It's the person of God, known as the Holy Spirit in the Bible. The Holy Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Bible tells us this. In Ephesians 4.30, If we are living a sinful life, a carnal life, a worldly life, if we're friends of the world that makes us enemies of God, we grieve the Holy Spirit. This prayer partner of Romans 8, a gift to help us with the infirmities of this life until we realize the promise of eternal life, that prayer partner is grieved. Grieved means to be hurt, offended, disappointed, (coughs) irritated with us. If we live a worldly life, getting caught up in the things of our lives instead of prayer, we quench the Holy Spirit. Do you know what you sang this morning several times? Kindle a flame in us. Rekindle our love. Those two ter- When you kindle, what do you kindle? You kindle a fire. I'm not talking about kindling, that's a noun. When you kindle, when you verb kindle. <coughs> oh, maybe Amazon has a kindle now. But anyway, do they have kindle books? I don't care about their kindle books. When you're kindling something, when you're kindling a fire. But when you live a worldly life and you're too distracted to pray, you quench the Holy Spirit. So you sing in church, rekindle my heart. Then you go home and quench the fire. Or on the way home. Or while you're sitting here and the things you're thinking about right now. You quench the Holy Spirit that could kindle a flame in your heart that you cannot imagine what He is able to do in every aspect of your being and your life. Forget circumstances to put a bigger car in your garage. I'm talking about more love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. I'm talking about knowing the love of Christ till you're filled with all the fullness of God. I'm telling you, you're bursting with joy, full of hope. Abounding in hope. Those kind of things. But you quench them. We grieve them. Do you know how pleased God is when we're singing with meaningful hearts, revive us again? We praise Thee, O God, for Thy Spirit of love that has scattered our night and shown us Thy love. (laughs) That may be a fifth verse now. It doesn't matter. Do you know how pleased God is? And and then we lose that. We lose that. Because you have a flesh that is dragging you down. Dragging you down every second. You go out of here and the world assaults you with all sorts of opportunities. And the devil hates God being pleased with our lives. My point being is this. My point is this. Don't tell me that you understand Romans 8, 26, and 27 unless you are a praying Christian. Praying in the Holy Ghost is you doing something. Right. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit is you doing something. You have not because you ask not. The Holy Spirit does not do it for you. The Holy Spirit does it with you. The Holy Spirit improves your manner and your content of prayer. The Holy Spirit multiplies your manner and your content of prayer. Jesus had the Spirit without measure. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not thy will, but mine be done. He had the Spirit without measure. The Holy Spirit was always guiding His prayers perfectly. And so when we look into that prayer, 
You know what? We often pray this half of it. I can't take this. I want this. Lord, please do this for me. And this could be better for His glory and our profit. And the Holy Spirit will direct. If you're walking in the Spirit, I'll tell you how you're going to pray. (laughs) You're going to put your emphasis right here because you know your Heavenly Father has a better perspective of your life, what would be the best for you and the best for everything around you, and the best for His glory far more than you do. You'll pray more of this than this. But Jesus showed us both in a prayer, nevertheless, not my will, not my will, but thine be done. And he had the Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. We have two things to get us through life. Now, there's more things coming, but two things so far. Hope and the Holy Spirit. Then we know the providence and government of God of the universe is for our good, because all things work together for good in verse 28. And we know that we're never going to be separated from the love of God. That's going to get us to verse 39, and we'll be out of the chapter of 8. We can handle anything in this life. Hope by the gospel that tells us all that's coming to the Holy Spirit in us. The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. There is nothing that the Holy Spirit can't utter. What is verse 26 talking about? Do you think the Holy Spirit gets to a point where He can't utter? Do you think there's something in your life that the Holy Spirit can't explain? Do you think the Holy Spirit groans? He's under a heavy burden with what you're troubled about? Or is this the Holy Spirit helping you groan in a way that is communicated to heaven by manner and by content. Content's in the next verse. Manner is in this one. With groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit is able to stir you up by conviction to where you can't get things out, but He's going to get them out and help you groaning about things in a way that is pleasing to God in the manner of your praying. He helps your infirmity. You don't know what to pray and how to pray as you ought. He's going to help you on both counts. But He's not going to do it for you. He's going to do it with you. He's going to enhance what you do. Is the point I want to take from this passage. And I'm so scared to even explain these two verses, lest you go home thinking, the Holy Spirit's going to do it for me. He is not going to do it for you. Isaiah 63.10 tells me this. When His church of the Old Testament vexed His Holy Spirit, when they rebelled, I'm using the words from the text, When they rebelled against His Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit turned to be their enemy. You will get down on your knees if you're living a carnal life and have not confessed all your sins and repudiated the works of the flesh. As this chapter tells us, you have to do to please the Spirit. It says in verse 13, If ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. That's what the Spirit wants you to do. Put to death the deeds of your sinful body. If you don't do that, if you don't do that, when you get down on your knees to pray, the Holy Spirit is your enemy. Because you are vexing Him. You are coming into church and singing about a rekindling. But you're going out of here and quenching Him. You're coming in here and and singing about a loving relationship and a, and a relationship of praise with God, but you go out of here and grieve the Holy Spirit. The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But that Holy Spirit in us makes intercession for us with groanings which can't be uttered. We can't get it out, 
And it's a level of fervency that we can't get. And it's the Holy Spirit through us. Because the next, remember, this verse says the Holy Spirit helps. He doesn't do it. He helps. Second verse says, he that searcheth the hearts. What, whose heart is God searching in the 27th verse? The Holy Spirit's heart or your heart? He that searcheth the hearts. That's God, the Father, searching your heart. That should be comforting by itself about the matter of prayer. God the Father searching your heart. You know, I've heard, why do you like so-and-so or why do you love so-and-so? Because they care about me. They understand me. They listen to me. Really. They care about me, they understand me, and they listen to me. Is that what really fires you up about loving someone? Is that is that what you're telling me? I tell you about the living God of heaven. Right. He understands you, and he knows you, and he listens to you like no other. So much so that because you don't really know how to communicate, he gave you the universe's communicator, his spirit. And so when you pray, praying ought to become one of the most exciting things you do. When you get down on your knees and you go before the throne of grace and we're told to go there boldly, the Holy Spirit will be teaching you while you're praying and your praying will be converging in content on the will of God and your praying will be converging on perfection and fervency at the heart level and whatever is lacking, God the Holy Spirit will make up the difference. Because he wants to know his children and he's going to search his children's heart to make sure he doesn't miss anything in them. And just in case they might not be able to get it out, God the Holy Spirit will help get it out. And just in case they might be a little confused about what the better choice would be for their life, the Holy Spirit will be there making sure it's the will of God that God sees when he looks into our heart. But none of this happens if we don't pray. We groan. We can't utter stuff. The Holy Spirit helps get, get that out of us to the Lord. And he that searcheth the hearts, this is a figure of speech. God isn't named, but we know who it is. But the beauty of it, of a figure of speech, and this figure of speech is, instead of his name, like a title of God, or Jehovah, or our Father, instead of that, it's a character trait of his that we find most comforting in a matter of prayer. For, and, excuse me, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth. He knows, he approves, he's in total agreement with the will of the Spirit and the mind of the Spirit. The, the statement is made, I love them and I appreciate them because they know me. But the Bible says no one else can know you. 1 Corinthians 2.11 no man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man that is in him. No man knoweth the things of God, save the spirit of God. Now, do you know, and, and the spirit's able to search the deep things of God. Your things aren't quite as deep as the deep things of God. I'm not making fun of anyone. He puts his spirit inside of us, and his spirit inside of us 
is able to reveal everything about us, some unconsciously because we don't know them. We don't know what we ought to pray for as we ought, and some consciously. That's praying with us and praying for us. By His Spirit in us, revealing the depths of our heart, the depths of our groaning, according to the will of God. But this happens by living a spiritually minded life and making time that you get away from every other activity in your life and you go become a young girl of prayer. No one else needs to know about it. God will never miss a syllable that comes out of your lips and He'll never miss a groan of your heart and He will help you groan better and He will help you pray better. And whatever you're lacking, He'll provide it by His own Spirit. The Spirit of God knows the deep things of God and is able to easily know the deep things of our heart and the groanings which cannot be uttered. He helps us by our praying, in addition to our praying, into the ears of the living God. Because He maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. But we make the intercessions He makes the intercessions through us and with us. I want us to see both sides. And I want us to know that the importance of these two verses is that we go and become praying Christians. Just like the previous verses told us to go and become hopeful Christians because of the promises in the gospel. We don't just hear about heaven and then go try to make our heaven on earth. We hear about heaven and let that control our lives. We don't hear these two verses and let the Holy Spirit pray for us. We go and become praying Christians and let the Holy Spirit pray with us. I tried. 